You are listening to The Real Men Feel Show with your hosts, Andy Grant and Apio Hunter. Real Men Feel encourages men to allow and express all of their emotions. Despite what you may have been taught, all emotions do serve you. Real Men Feel is committed to engaging in discussions that most men aren't having. But you don't need to be a man to join us. The Real Men Feel Show is produced live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern for your growth and enjoyment. Listen to us on podcast platforms including iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can also watch the show on YouTube by visiting realmenfeel.org slash YouTube. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes by visiting realmenfeel.org slash iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at realmenfeel.org and on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmenfeelshow. All links mentioned in each episode are in the show notes found on the blog at realmenfeel.org. Show your support for Real Men Feel by shopping at realmenfeel.org slash swag, by visiting digitaltipjar.com slash realmenfeel, or even text us a tip. You can show some love for Real Men Feel by texting Real Men Feel, that's all one word, to 504-226-5306. You'll receive a link back to complete your tip and choose the amount. This is a weekly program and your reviews, comments, feedback, and participation are welcome during the live show and anytime in our Facebook group, on Twitter, or at realmenfeel.org. Now, let's dive into this week's show. Hello and welcome to another edition of Real Men Feel. I'm your host, Andy Grant, and normally I would introduce my co-host, Apio Hunter, but Apio has had a, a bit of a family emergency today. He is not going to be able to join us, uh, but we wish him uh, Godspeed, good luck, and and uh, love and light, and to get him get through whatever he's dealing with today, and we'll, we'll talk to him soon and, and find out what's going on. But I am uh, I'm really very excited for our guest tonight. Um, I was on his show earlier this year, and it was just a delight. I, I find him to be charismatic and original, and well, and I'm really excited for his introduction because he has some of the best, <laughs> has some of the best verbiage I've come across. So, without <laughs> further ado, I want to welcome the Prime Minister of Pertinent Information, the Canadian <laughs> Prince of Podcast, the connector, producer, and host of the award-winning Doctor Vibe Show, home of epic conversations very proud to welcome the one and only dr vibe andy thank you so much for having me on your platform and uh, as always i like to say to people i'm blessed highly favored a magnet for miracles and a solution for someone's problems so i knew that andy wanted me to say that so i've got that out of the way and you'll hear it at the end also but it is an honor and pleasure the only sadness i have is uh, your partner in crime is not with you tonight but you did share with me before live what he's attending to is more important than any conversation and Godspeed. And I have his family in prayer and I know everything's going to turn out again, but it also gives me a reason to come back. Hey, Lori yeah. Grant, how are you? <laughs> Thank you for dropping by. Yeah. Lori just popped in for those get to the replay. She, are you going to, do you want to speak? Do you want to say hi, Lori? Hold on. You're unmuted. Hi. <laughs> I, heard, I heard a rumor that you may be just dropping by. So it's a pleasure to meet you screen wise. It's nice to meet you, screen-wise. <laughs> and it's an honor. And uh, let me just tell you a little secret. That guy, Andy, really loves you. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> is that news to you? <laughs> yeah. It, 
Sometimes it surprises me. Oh, oh, oh. We well, Lori, let, let, have... let me also say something that uh, from what Andy has shared with me, you, and I'm saying this in a positive manner, you're a true woman of strength and character. And thank God for that. Thank you. Very welcome. Thank you so much for the lady that and woman that you are. Thanks. You're welcome. I could use that tonight. That was perfect timing. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? Uh, like I say, I like to, as wherever I can, add light to people's life, you know? That's awesome. Again, you missed it. He's the prime minister of pertinent information. So, of course, you're going to get just what you need. And, and, you know, and what's funny about that, one of my regulars gave me that title. I didn't come up with that. All those things you described, I didn't come up with. Other people just put them on me and said, okay, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. Those are the those are the best terms. Um, I I had a coach dub me the king of authenticity once, and I but I, I didn't keep running with that. But sometimes I I call myself that sometimes. There you what, go. There I'm you go. alone in the mirror. Are you gonna but, uh, with, Are you gonna hang out with us, Laura? You... I am. Good, and feel free to ask me any questions. I will. Why am I afraid? All of a sudden, go on. <laughs> <laughs> you can so mute. Like, me you can mute me back, and I'll just listen in. All right, you're not unmuting and ask anything or, or just play in the chat room. Um, but so I, Dr. Vibe, I am a, a big KISS fan. And so every time I even think about you, I have your own special version of Dr. Love playing in my head all the time. Dr. Um, Love. <laughs> I know call him Dr. Vibe. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, next time they're on tour, you should, you should get Gene into the studio and, and have him cut something just as for you. As long as he keeps his tongue in his mouth, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So you have been doing the Dr. Jeez, you have been doing the Dr. Vibe show for 10 years. Over 10 years. Over 10 years. So yeah. so what prompted you to get started? Well, it goes back to as I tell people when I had hair, I uh I did college radio. And I loved college radio. I had so much fun with college radio and I always have a love for music and my dad is a music collector. He actually is a member of the Vinyl Record Collectors Hall of Fame. Oh, wow. But I love doing college radio. And after I got out of university, I said, you know, uh, first of all, I was happy to finish university because I didn't want to write any more tests or exams. I was just tired. And I was walking by a store in downtown Toronto. And I said, wow, I don't have to read any books anymore, da, 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 all this kind of stuff. And I went to this black bookstore. And there was a book called Black Men, Obsolete, Single, and Dangerous. Hmm. Picked up that book, and I read it in one night. And I said, you know what? Some way, somehow, I want to create a platform at that time for Black Canadian men can just speak their heart and their mind. Because what I was seeing on the television, it was all edits, and a lot of it I didn't think was correct or right, not showing the best light. So I just started... Uh, my first conversation, and this will date me, was about Michael Vick and the dogs. Oh, that, that's already 10 years ago? More than yeah. that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. Michael Vick and the dogs, and, like, and it was with a gentleman who was a co-host at the time, and we sat at my dining room table with my laptop and a microphone. And as I share with a lot of people, most people's dreams these days start with a laptop and a dream. And we just began having these conversations over and over. And then I said, well, people are going to get tired of listening to me all the time. And I said, okay, what can I do? So I like to go for easy wins. Excuse me. So what I used to do is whenever friends invited me to their house for dinner or whatever, I just plunk my microphone there. 
<laughs> and we would just stop. And that became that. Then I said, okay, people, let's start trying to reach out to people who I don't know. Uh, so there was a gentleman who I wanted to have on the show. I called him. He said, hey, well, if you want to come, if you want to interview me, you got to come out to Hamilton. Hamilton is an hour's drive from where I live. And I had had things in the past where I'd be driving to do an interview, or I call it conversation. I say conversation, not interview. And a person would cancel halfway there. And I said, no, I don't want to keep on getting canceled on. So then I did some research and got into the doing most of my conversations the way we're doing it now. Initially, through Skype audio, and now I do a lot of stuff through Skype video. I'm also now doing dual streaming, live streaming via YouTube and Periscope at the same time. The next jump is to do Facebook Live, all those three platforms at the same time, because 90% of the conversations I do are now what we're doing right now. That's what I'm doing. Beautiful. Beautiful. And you, you, uh, another great way that you describe yourself and, and your show and the platform is that you're demolishing the digital divide and raising the level of consciousness. And that's another thing that was applied to me by someone else. <laughs> I, I think, and when I say demolish, devol, demolishing the digital divide, I don't mean race. I just think that there's still a gap when it comes to digital knowledge and digital access. So I want to be, as best as I can, an example of how I can go from here to where I am now. And I didn't do it by myself, and I would never say I did it by myself. And actually, I'll give a great story, because when you've done 2,000 conversations, you've got more than enough stories, whether you're your own or somebody else. There was a time where my podcast was, I was not happy with it. Just, I was using what is it? It was a website called mypodcast.com. If anyone knows what that is, you are dating yourself. <laughs> and they weren't giving stats. And I said, like, I need to know my stats. Come on now. So most people are lazy and Dr. Vibe has a lazy bone in him. So I Googled podcast help shows in Google. Being lazy, I clicked on the first result. And uh, it was a show called the Podcaster Studio by a gentleman named Ray Ortega. So I contacted Ray, and within 24 hours, he changed the journey, my online journey. And he said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, Dr. Vibe, when it comes to men of color that do, he said in interviews, I say conversations online, they, they need to think about you first. And I've never lost that thought process. And he was fantastic. And then he, he, um, he introduced, I said to him, Ray, I want to get good sound on my show. Because when you're doing podcasts, not like this, this is visual. The most important thing is sound, people, what they're listening. And even when you're doing a video thing like this, people will tolerate bad video, but they won't tolerate bad sound. Right. So he said, well, if you want to get good sound, I'll introduce you to someone. So he introduced me to a gentleman, Mike Phillips from North Carolina, had never met him before. Mike Phillips has about 45 years of audio engineering experience. So I said to Mike, Mike, I want good sound for my show. I want multiple people on my show. He said, Dr. Vibe, if you want that, you're gonna have to get a mixer. I said, Mike, the only mixers I know is when I used to go to the club or go to a concert. And he said, if you want it, that's what you have to do. So he spent a total of about six hours cumulative getting everything set up so when people say 
oh, you're serious. You got a mic. Yes, I'm serious because I want the experience to be the best it can be for the listener. And when I purchased this microphone, it was about $200. But the nice thing about what you and I do and your, your co-host does, the barrier, the cost to get into this game is much cheaper now, mm-hmm. but the work has not changed. All right. Good way to put it. So you talked about raising the level of consciousness as well as kind of part yes. of your mission. In regards to that play, the thing, there, there are a lot of times that you will watch something in mainstream media and you're only getting clips. I like to expand and let, let people come on. Like when you were on, I, I basically said, whatever you want to talk about. You know, let's expand, let people know about you, not only about the wonderful things you're doing or have done, but the why, what makes you tick, where did you grow up, etc. Because people love stories. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think so, look at how popular the reality shows are on television. They like other people's stories. And I firmly believe that everybody has a six-figure story. And how do stories change consciousness? Because it may give people another way of looking at things or finding about things that they did not know about. So consciousness is like a thought process, an emotion, etc. So if I can bring awareness to an area that you did not know about or bring more thought about an area you thought you knew about, that'd be great. And, and being broadcasters, as you and I are, and your co-host, I think one of our main responsibilities is to share information with people. Because if we're just keeping it to ourselves, I think that's very selfish and that's just not what I'm made of. When I tell, when I share, have people come on the show, I tell them it's their show, it's not my show. Mm-hmm. So I want to not only raise the consciousness of myself, raise the consciousness of the people who are on the show, but also raise the consciousness of the audience. So when those three things happen, that's when magic happens for Dr. Vibe. <laughs> Beautiful. So, so over the years, uh, what are some of your favorite subjects to have conversations about? That's a terrible question, Andy. But, uh, <laughs> there's, there's so many. Uh, in a way, I guess what you're asking is, what are some of the favorite conversations you've had? That's almost another way of saying it. There is so many. Uh, I will pick out one or two off the top of my head. A number of years ago, I had a lady on the show. And after she finished, I spoke to her PR person. And I had spoken to her PR person for a few minutes before the uh, guest came on the show. Then I wanted to make sure after that, I, I, I thanked her. So we began chatting. I said, Hey, you know what? You should come on the show. And she said, well, what am I going to talk about? It says, well, I'm, I'm sure you got a story somewhere. She ended up speaking about how she was sexually abused by members of her family between the ages of 10 and 14 years old. And it was one of those moments I said, wow, this person is feeling comfortable enough to share that part of life with not only me, but with her audience. And I'd only spoken with her for 15 minutes. So it was one of those things saying, you know what? That's a consciousness moment for me that I've got to, I got to make sure I keep that level. Like not everyone's going to come into the Dr. Vibe show. And I don't want everyone to come to the Dr. Vibe show because I don't think everyone's ready for the Dr. Vibe show. That's not, everyone has their place. But when I, that was a magical moment. Uh, I had magical moments when I have someone on the conversation and they say, no one's ever asked me that before. And I say, that's, 
that when I hear that, and also at the end of a conversation, and I believe I did this with you after we finished it, did everything go okay? And if when I get that, I said, yes. They felt comfortable during it, and they say, yeah, I felt okay. Hmm. So I hope I'm answering your questions. Yeah. I hope you're answering your questions. How's that? Oh, I hope I'm asking. I'm, I'm, I just prime myself for Lori's questions. <laughs> yeah, she'll give you a quiz at the end. Yeah. Oh, I know that. She's gonna come. She's gonna come hard and fast. So, have you always been a, a natural communicator and making people comfortable and at ease? No, that's a that's someone. I've not too many people have asked me that. When I was when I had my hair, I was very serious. Hmm. Very, very serious, serious guy. And I guess that comes from my father because he's a very stern, serious guy because my father spent 38 years teaching in the same school. So he was one of those. And as I share with some people at times when I was growing up, I felt I was more a student than his son. So it's very disciplined, regimented. When I was younger, when all the kids were playing outside, I wasn't allowed to go outside till my homework was done. So I had that side of me. And then I don't exactly know when, but I just said, you know what? I got to enjoy life because what was happening is there were people in my age group who were starting to pass away. I said, you know what? I want to live long enough to tell my story. And I began to say, and people started thinking I was funny. I would just start saying things and people were thinking I was funny. I said, okay, but communicating, actually, I'll give you one of the, turns in my life in regards to communicating when i was uh, a number of years ago there was a grocery store that's close to me that i used to go to and there was a group of employees there i used to hang out with them we just chat all the time and uh, there was a younger gentleman there who i did some mentorship for he was wanting to get into a career of hr so one day now since it was a sunday and one of the group called me and it was the first time he called me on a sunday and he said, hey, how you doing? I said, fine. He says, are you, are you standing up? I say, no. He says, you better sit down. And I said, okay. So he basically told me that this young man that I was mentoring suffered from depression. This is in his mid-20s, mid depression. And he said that he was admitted into the hospital and he committed suicide in the hospital. And that really stuck on me and actually i to the point for a long period of time i couldn't erase his phone number in my cell phone and i just said you know what and i just felt a little bit of guilt saying you know what i just felt you know what i've got to with people who i really care about i got to get deeper with and i gotta say how can i serve you so that was one of the key moments in in my journey and I and and just a few years ago, I took a coaching certification too to just add on to that. So uh, I'm very passionate about people. Sometimes it's it can be bad, but you know what? More often than not, it's good for me, and it works for them too. So I uh, I hope that that gives you a good cover on that. What What do you mean by sometimes it can be bad? Meaning you you're trying to help someone so much and you can't that that sort of a thing? What sometimes that you you help someone else that they don't grow. They become dependent. Ah, okay. Right? So that was one of the great reasons, one of the great things I got from a coaching course is that I basically, I coach a person. I don't do it for the person. Correct. Yeah. Right? 
and I always say, and, and you're a coach yourself, so you can relate to this, and that you always, well, for me, whenever I'm coaching someone and they say they're going to do something, I ask them on a scale of zero to 10, how committed are you? And if they give me seven or below, I say, you're playing me. More often, you're playing yourself. And in the one of the capacity I do during the daytime, now I tell fathers right to their face, you're playing yourself. And not only you're playing yourself, you're playing your kids. Yeah, one of the uh, people often ask me, well, why would I want a coach? What does a coach do for someone? And to me, one of the key things is the accountability. Huge. Yeah, most people aren't good at holding themselves accountable. They, exactly. they, right, we're used to it. They need that strict teacher, that strict parent that maybe they didn't have or had it too much, but they, you need a bit of that in your life to help you do what you say you're going to do, or it helps you discover that you're lying to yourself. Exactly. So it's just very, it's very, very, and, and I, and I have a coach myself too. I have about two or three coaches in different areas of my journey. Cause I've, I found out that you didn't come in the world by yourself. So why are you trying to do it by yourself? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a, a coach of mine <laughs> once told me never hire a coach that doesn't have coaches, right? You, if you want to grow and change, you don't want to be, under the tutelage of someone who's decided they're, they're done growing or changing. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and I'm always growing and I'm always, always challenging myself. And Hey, as I tell some people, one of the reasons I'm still here is because I mess up so much, but I keep on going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the more mistakes you make, the, the quicker you grow. Well, as I say, failure is not a person. It's a moment. Hmm. So yeah. I've had failure moments, but I know I'm not a failure person. Right. I'm writing that down. <laughs> okay. I said something of value. <laughs> Positive value, that is. All right. One point for Dr. Vibe. Yay! <laughs> Boom! <laughs> so we both write for the Good Men Project. Absolutely. But, but your, your shows, your topics, your guests, you're, you're not dealing with masculinity exclusively. No, I, I'm not. Like, I want to have a broad interest because it makes me better. Because then I can share that different types of information with individuals. Like you asked me before we came on live, we did, I did a conversation night with a gentleman, a black gentleman out in California. And he, the, um, the subject was black men get assaulted too. And it was a great conversation and getting his thoughts on masculinity from a black male perspective. And it was just interesting because he didn't have a great relationship with his father when he was growing up and I, I just felt I could ask this question. I said, well, do, you know, aren't you looking forward to seeing your father? Cause I, said, oh, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I said, all right, <laughs> no problem. But he's honest enough to say from his heart where he's going, but I cover all different myriads of conversations. And, and I love that because it, it, the more, you know, the more you need to know. <laughs> So I, I like to put my head in different areas because I want to learn too, right? right? So I, I just reach out and I have a very easy process of getting people on the conversation. Like I, for you, like, so you, I saw something you wrote, I reached out to you. This is what I do. Would you like to come on? It's either yes or no. The more no's you get, the closer you get to your yes. Beautiful. So ba based on your conversations, your experience talking to people, yeah. do you find that that black men and white men have different views of what masculinity is or what the problems of masculinity might be? Or That's a great, great conversation piece. I have spoken for, with different myriads of men and a lot of times 
they have the same challenges. And that's one of the great rewards I've had during my 10-year journey that I've talked to various men, various backgrounds, various races, various stages of life. With most men, they have core challenges, whether it's a black man living in Australia, whether it's a black man living in Japan, whether it's a white man living in Connecticut, they all have, but they all have those core things. And a lot, and a lot of times, and I'm noticing in a lot of my conversations, the whole aspect of the relationship with their father is so core. It is so, so, so core. Uh, last on January 31st this year, I hosted a conversation I put it out there, I invited black men to talk about mental health. I, I called the conversation Minding Your Mind. Hmm. And two days before, only four men res- registered. I ended up having blessed to have 40 men. Common theme, relationship with their father. Yeah. Common theme. And I, I think that we as coaches, we as influencers, as uh, men, we really need to deal not only with ourselves, but with other men. When they get to that comfort level, you have to get to that fatherhood piece because I've discovered, and my father's still alive, but one of the key points in a man's life is when his father dies. Whatever type of relationship he had with that father, it is a key point. Even up to this afternoon, doing a, a session with this man I was introduced to, terrible relationship with his father to the point but and when he asks his mother ah Lori has a question you, you know what parking lot that i have a very good point to add to that Lori. that is very good you're on point Lori. you're on point you got to stay till the end of this but uh, that that he was talking about his father and his um his father doesn't want any communication What's worse, though, is when he asks his mother about his father, she doesn't want to say anything about him. Mm. And he's raising a child. One of his children is 11 years old. And his 11-year-old is asking, when am I going to see granddad? So his father's actions have not only damaged him, but they're also damaging the relationship this man's having with his son. So that's three sets of men that have been shaken. And And it can keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Unless one of them changed the pattern, that that ancestral line yes. can, can keep something going, and which is which is bad masculinity. And yeah. Lori, do you want me to, uh, Lori? I will follow up with you right now because I saw what you wrote. This is a conversation I haven't had yet, but I'm preparing because I was chatting with two ladies, I'd say in their 40s and 50s, about two or three months ago. One of Filipino background, one of Scottish background. And we just started having a conversation. And I asked him just out of the air, how was the relationship with your mother? Both of them said, terrible. And those are the conversations I love having when it's not being talked about. Because we always hear that old guys, especially men of color, have bad relations with their father. But I'm finding out it ain't always rosy with the ladies and their mothers either. So... Thank you for reminding about that one, Lori, because I think it's a great conversation. Actually, a few years ago, I hosted a conversation about black women's relationships with each other, and it wasn't pretty. So, does that... <laughs> Andy's having, Andy doesn't know what to ask. Keep on going, Andy. Not translate. As within, <laughs> so without, right? So, it, 
but it's it's I'm trying to like where does it start? And it starts within you. If if you yeah. don't like you, you aren't going to treat your family great. Absolutely. Right? Okay. Self your self image is so important. And um, I I facilitate a course every Tuesday night with fathers, and two weeks ago we had a very I asked them a very interesting question. I said, what is the most who is the most important relationship you have in your, with in your life? What do you think most of them said? It's <laughs> like uh, a spouse. Yeah. 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 But then I said, I said, I, I, I see where you're coming from guys, but the most relationship you have is with yourself. Right. Because yeah. I said, if it ain't good with you, how's it going to be with anybody else? Right. And then I actually said to them, guys, most of the time when your life's a mess, it's because your mind's a mess. Yep. And again, the, yeah, the, the most important relationship is with yourself. The, the most important love in your life needs to be you. And, it, and, you know, and it's interesting. I had some challenges in the past getting over that because I thought that was selfish. Hmm. And I had to go through that and get thought process given to me about that. They, you know, the better you can take care of yourself, the better you can take care of others. I had to sort of park and not say that's not being selfish. That's just being the best you for you. Right. So I know that there are probably people either watching this live on the replay. Hey, it's a challenge. I know those people like Andy, Lori, myself, we're servers, but we have to balance and make sure if we're not, if we're not putting fuel in our tank, our car ain't going to run to get and help to somebody else. Right. I always try to have people reframe it because it, it's not selfish. It's selfless. Yep. Right. You can't help anybody if you're broke and struggling and can't, don't have enough to eat and don't have someone to live. Right. If, but if you are, cause you know, money's not evil. Money emphasizes what people already are. So yeah. if you're a belligerent jerk and you get rich, you're going to stay a belligerent jerk. If you are serving people and coming from the heart and being open and authentic, you know, having a great income allows you to serve more people. Yeah, as I say with people, I said, for me, money funds the mission. It's not the mission. And that uh, when I say, like I, I've told someone the other day, you look at the word success. I got to make the, get this, make sure I remember this. It has three S's in it. So, so, um, sacrifice, service, and selflessness. Three S's in success. Right. Yeah, and and selflessness can be. It's what some people describe as selfish. Yeah. But and I'm not talking about selfish for stuff. But to be so selfish that you want to feel good, you want to enjoy life, you want to live your life to the fullest. That's selfless because that radiates out. To, that gives out great vibes. So so if you're not a doctor of vibology, you could be <laughs> a, a person of vibe, right? You can be a positive vibration. Well, in. in what I would share, and especially to the men that are watching this live on the replay, I want, I'm going to put a challenge out to you. And I know usually challenges at the end of conversation, but I'll, I'll lay them out throughout. Every day, you should be able to share a success story. Every day, you should be able to share a success story. Now, do you encourage that with someone, by, them, by themselves, just mentally? How, how would one best do that? It's almost, you know, and one of the things I, I help people with is resumes, right? And have you ever seen people when you say, okay, you get to that part, oh, this is my position. What did you do? Oh, I didn't do nothing. 
I said, come on, you did nothing at your job. And then you start saying, oh, what did you do every day? Well, I came in, I answered the phones. Well, you did something. Oh, I filled out paperwork, I committed this. So a lot of times we devalue what we do and the successes that we have, and we take them for granted. Right. And we shouldn't take them for granted. We should celebrate them. Right. Yep. Yeah, we, often the people that, that, the things that come the easiest to somebody are the first to be discounted. And yeah. we make the assumption, oh, everyone can do that. Like, no. Like, you know, or, cel yeah, celebrate you success, you know, and also celebrate other people's success. Mm -hmm. That's so important. And a lot of times we as guys are so competitive against each other. But you know what? Celebrating is a good thing. You know, it's a positive thing. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I had a, a volunteer at my place, at the place I work at during the day on the weekend. He, was, uh, he had to go there and orientate a group that was renting out our space. And the lady that was in charge of the group texted me and said, this, he, was, he was really great, etc. You know what I did first thing I got in the office today? I showed him that text. Yeah. I showed him that text and it just brought a big smile to his face. Yeah. Uh, so I'm a big fan of, of journaling and journaling and a gratitude journal is something that was recommended to me by different therapists and counselors for years and years. And I just poo pooed the whole thing, thought it was silly, thought it, you know, it sounded like something a little girl would do. And, uh, but having to come home and write, wins of the day you call it whatever you want but things i'm grateful for the the wins the success stories but they add they build they, you get a momentum when you start noticing those you notice more and more and you receive more and more absolutely i absolutely i fully i fully believe in that and that you know you're either going to be your best friend or your worst enemy and uh, in the past i've worked at in organizations when i got up in the morning i said i don't want to go there <laughs> I just don't, I don't want it. And I've been enough through that. So I, can, I hope other people, I'm sure other people can relate, but I'm very blessed right now that what I do every day brings so much joy because not only do I feel great, I'm helping other people feel great. And that is just, that just means the world to me. And it just makes me want to do more. Mm. I'm never doing enough, you know? Uh, are, are, so are there any conversations or topics that, that you're eager to get to that you don't think are being addressed yet? I think one of the ones is relationships between women. I think right now, especially in this Me Too era, I think it's very interesting. We're hearing enough about relations between men, women and men, but I think also I'd like to hear what's going on with women themselves, and especially women of different races that conversation is interesting. I also think uh, I had something in my head. I think, especially amongst men, there needs to be more intergenerational conversations. Mm. Uh, in the next few weeks, I'm going to be hosting a conversation where I'm getting, there'll be three different generations of men talking. I think there needs to be that piece. It's not really being talked about enough because we're in a very interesting time right now. And that I found out through what I do, through the conversations I have, next to reading a book, the best way to learn is through someone else's story, if not your own story. And I've learned so much. Like, was it about four or five years ago, I was just sitting chatting with my dad, and my dad went to Howard University. 
in Washington. And he just blurted out, oh, one of my professors was Toni Morrison. I go, what? <laughs> I'm going, the Toni Morrison. Yeah, I go. And he just took it like, whatever. Yeah. I just went, wow, that is so amazing. And he was telling me how she taught. I'm just going, I'm not, I'm not going to see that on a television. Yeah. Toni Morrison will probably never say she was a teacher at Howard University. But all those little things, I think that um, – Actually, another good conversation, I'm thinking of conversation topics as we roll here, is where do you invest your time? Right? Where do you invest your time? You know, I, I'd like to ask men, if, especially men who have children, um, if their children of, are of age and if they're living in their own place, I'd ask the, the men, does your child or children have a picture of you in their house? And actually, I asked a gentleman that today. I said, you know, does, does your, you know, your goal is, one of your goals is, is that when your son who's 11 years old grows up and has his own house, how would you feel if he didn't have a picture of you in that house? So just, just thoughts. I'm just, I just, the thoughts, I just, I always, I always say that to, well, I say that a lot to men and whenever they hear that, if they haven't heard it before, wow, they get in that deep think state. Hmm. They really begin thinking what's really going on. What's, what am I creating a good legacy with my child and children? So I think that's a good conversation. I still don't think there's enough conversation between re different races. Yeah. That, that is severely lacking. But I've had a few of them on my, on my conversation. They've been fantastic. I remember one of them, I had one uh, gentleman from Hispanic American, one African American man. They just, they blew, they just were on, on fire. They were just on fire. And I think also men of different races need to have conversations amongst each other. I, I really, and people may think I'm crazy saying this, but I think the better the men are, the better our society is going to be. So if you don't agree with that, that's no problem. I respect your opinion, but that's what I'm seeing and that's what I notice. And if if you if Lori doesn't like it, she'll tell me. <laughs> no, and it seems like common sense. I mean, toxic masculinity is just being talked about everywhere. So if that's a thing and it can be addressed and healed, then wouldn't men be better and society be better? Well, you know what's interesting? I had a gentleman recently on the conversation, Robin. She said, I can look him up, but he he does not like the the phrase toxic masculinity. He was saying it's not toxic masculinity, it's bad behavior. That's what he was saying. It's bad behavior. He says masculinity in its true form is a great thing. It's not toxic masculinity, it's bad behavior. And I thought it was a very interesting way of him phrasing it. And I think this word toxic masculinity, it, the term is I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I like let's, we know what it is. What are we doing to move forward? Actually, another good conversation I, I'm on, I just find is what are men like you and I thinking of the Me Too movement? Because I don't see enough conversations of the everyday man in the street giving their take on it. We're hearing a lot from the media and we're hearing a lot from movie stars, entertainment stars. Lori just commented, such a man comment being tired of toxic masculinity. You think you're tired of it. Ask a woman. <laughs> you still yeah. glad she's here? 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, I, I'm not hearing enough conversations between men about what their thoughts are on the, the Me Too stuff. Yeah. We've had, we've had two shows. We had a, we got a panel of, I think, four guys on the show to talk about it. Good. And, and it was great. And I, I, it was tough. You know, whenever I want a panel, I want a really mix of attitude. But it's tough to get someone on and go, yeah, women stink. They get what they deserve. No, no, I don't have anyone in my circle of men saying that. Um, but I guys, behavior. But it's, you know, it's important to have those conversations because I'm not hearing them enough. Oh. I'm not hearing them like I like I'd like to walk up to some guy at a gas station, 24 year old saying, what do you think about this whole me too thing? What do you think? You know, I'd also, I'd, I'd love to get a me too conversation again, intergenerational. Hmm. I think that would be really powerful to have that type of conversation yeah. to say what, what are men, because I've heard a lot of uh, men who come on my show and I've, they have coaches and things like that. And they say, what do you think about the young men that are coming up? Are they going to handle masculinity? Are they going to handle this? How are they handling this Me Too? And I'm hearing good things. So my thing is, what are they getting right that us older guys ain't getting right? right. And maybe a way of, of creating an environment of teaching, learning, and sharing. Yeah. I mean, I believe that how a man interacts with a woman uh, on a date or down the street, it, it's taught. Yep. So yeah, so if the if the youngest generation is has a different way, then then great. They're not they have yet to be taught the bad behavior or it, it's it's fallen away, whatever it is. But yeah, it's it's if whenever we can look to the youth and see a more positive outlook on in any subject, I think that's a tremendous sign of hope for everybody. Absolutely, absolutely. And when you see movements like the young people in Florida, what they're doing, yeah. it, it it brings hope that that you know the future is looking bright because we have our moments where it isn't looking bright when you see things like that um i actually was sharing with someone today the young people get it because they realize in today's world movements start from the ground up not from the top down right they get it it's got it's got to be from the ground up not the top down for many years we've thought oh it's got to be top top leading no it's ground up and you had, you mentioned a few times the importance of of intergenerational intergenerational conversations, and we've really gotten to the place where we don't respect our elders. Mm. Where you know prior cultures, everything was handed down. You know, um, parent to child, teacher to student. It was this this oral generation of of history and lessons. And my only concern is that if the teenagers of today. Just think every generation before them just screwed everything up so bad that they have to fix it all. Will they, will they be open to intergenerational conversation? Well, you know, and a lot of times you can just watch and learn. Like my father had a birthday last year and we had a big celebration. And what was, it taught me so much. At one table, there were about 20 people that he's known for over 50 years. There's no one in my life that I've known more than 2025. That's 50. And they stay in communication all the time. Every, oh, every like no more than two days don't go by. They're, they're, call, they're calling each other. There's a lesson to be learned by that. There's a huge lesson to be learned, especially for, for men, because 
we as men on average do not live as long as women do. Right. And, and uh, I always say to guys, whenever you go to family reunions, compare how many older women there are compared to older men. And I always say too, that over the age of 40, 80% of the suicides are committed by men. They're stressed or they quit. And, and what's scary too is with teenage suicides, it's the same thing. Majority boys. So we have to take a look as men and say, you know what? Something's not right. That's a lot of things. There's a lot of things not right. Why are we killing? Why are we quitting? For too many men, anger and quitting are the two easiest emotions. Mm-hmm. For a lot of men, they're the only emotions they Exactly. Think. Right? We've got to... We've got to really take a look at ourselves. We've got to cut ourselves open. I don't mean physically, but emotionally cut ourselves open and say, you know what? Something not right. And I, I need help. Yeah. Yeah. I, any, anytime someone is ashamed of something within them, that, that, that just eats away at, at the soul, right? That, that's what wears you down and you might have a mask. Everything's all right. But that, that's that, that wanting to give up on everything. I, I always find that that's just rooted in some level of shame. Yeah. And, and, and it's unfortunate, but sometimes, sometimes you have to go through stuff. Oh yeah. And it's good to go through stuff because it tells you where you stand and where you need to go. Right. Unless right. you keep going through stuff. If you go through enough stuff just to deny it and keep hiding it and you know, uh, that's not good, but no. yeah. Again, we talked about when, whenever, when you get different guys together, uh, different races together, you discover that, wow, they're, the same core issues are there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I feel very blessed that I've had different races, women, men. I've had women and men on the same conversation. I love that. I, I really feel so humble when I can create an environment where they can have meaningful conversation. I've very, very few times I've ever had people going at each other. And very few times I've had conversations like I, I host a Sunday night conversation with uh, black male thought leaders. I've been doing it for almost six years, every Sunday night. And none of them have met each other. And I have different guys coming on all the time, but they, they always say, you know, it's so good to have a place where I can express my opinions. I may not always agree, but I respect, but I've learned something. The, that is just a special feeling and to bring people together. And uh, I, I pray sometimes I I, th- I hope this works out <laughs> and I've been blessed. Well, I know sometimes it's not going to work out one time, but so far so good. And I'm, I'm always thinking Andy these days that when I'm speaking with someone or sharing with someone, who do I know in my community can help this person make their next step. So you've mentioned, um, being uh, a, a bit of a mentor to youth over the years and men and men. So you work with- these days. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, I think I'm mentoring anything from 10 years old up these days. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Because again, um, young people are great because they have so much energy. The older people, older men have evaluated experience. So when you can bring those two together, it's magic, man. When you get the, and there's, pardon me, the respect piece there. You got the energy and the vibrancy and you've got that evaluated experience. Uh, it's actually happened today. 
it wasn't between two men, but it was through a young lady who's a lawyer. And there's an, uh, my dentist, <laughs> of all people, who I, I've had the same dentist for like 25 years. And the lady who's a lawyer is um, very involved in uh, helping Haitian refu refugees. So there's a bit of a challenge going on in Canada. A lot of them are getting deported, etc. And I had ran into this lady about two, three months ago. She was a lawyer. She was very passionate about it. And I said, oh, Haitian, my doctor. He's like very involved in the Haitian community to the point where he's helped build a school in Haiti. So try to get them together. It didn't work. Today she came walking this and I said, stay in your chair. <laughs> so I said, I'm calling my dentist. Find out. My dentist has sold his practice. <laughs> but his um, receptionist said, here's his phone number. Gave me his phone number. Gave me his cell phone number. I said, doctor, how you doing? Da, da, da. He says, you know, I sold my practice. I go, what? He said, but I'm still there two or three days a week. I said, okay. I got you. And I said, so-and-so is here. Do you have a few minutes to talk? Bang. They got on the phone. She says, do you, uh, do you, she goes, do you speak French? Yes. They had a 45-minute conversation in French. They're meeting at my center a week from this Wednesday. That's what it's about. Hmm. And she's got, she's got the energy of a young lady. He's got a valued experience of an older man. I, I like, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see them together at that same table. So, so you're putting together epic conversations, even when they're not recorded. Oh, I'm, I'm, I call myself a collaborator. I, I want to, I want to collaborate, find, find the need and fill it. Don't find the need and kill it. Mm. Put it that way. All right. Well, good. That leads to my next question. So what, what do you right now looking forward in the next you know, few days, months, years, what's yeah. the biggest need hitting society? Listening. Take the time and invest and listen to people. Don't, don't judge. Listen. One of, the, one of my new catchphrases for this year is block assumptions. Yeah. Right? Uh, when a man comes into my center, on average for the first time, he's there for an hour and a half. Because I don't know what his story is, and I'm not going to judge what his story is. I want to hear what his story is. I don't make assumptions. We got to block assumptions. So to me, that's the most important thing. We need to invest not only in ourselves, but we also invest in others. Dealing with people, if you got it right, is not an expense. It's an investment. Cool. So you've mentioned your center a few times. So tell, tell me a little bit more about that. Okay. So where I am positioned right now is an organization called Ujima House. It's Canada's only father-based family center. So everything we do is to help fathers and their families. The organization has been around for eight years. Uh, we do facilitating of courses there. Uh, men will come off the street. It's my, my responsibility to handle them right off the street. Now we can't help them with everything, but our goal is to, if we can't help them directly, we can direct, put them in the right place to get the help they need. I facilitate a program called uh, Super Dad, Super Kids. It's an eight week program that helps fathers become better, not only fathers, but for their kids. So every week I facilitate a different subject like communication, discipline, work-life balance. What, but I've been blessed to do is on the first of the two hours, I get different people coming in and giving talks. So recently, 
I had a lady come in who is fantastic. She's separated, divorced, two kids, but she's a family lawyer. And many of my clients have challenges in regards or don't have a full understanding of family law. She would give a presentation about family law. Another a gentleman came in from an organization called the Credit Counseling Service of Canada. And it's a nonprofit agency that helps with financing, credit, et cetera. He came in. I had him booked for an hour. He was there two and a half hours. The guys couldn't stop asking questions. And he was so good that he was actually helping guys fill out forms to get their credit references. So in, in the, in, over the past year, is there a, a most common theme or, or a primary issue that you're seeing most men have these days? I guess there, I, I'm going to separate the, the, I guess outside of the workplace, I'll deal with second. Inside my workplace, I think is the whole area of family law, the whole aspect where a lot of men feel that the law is against them when it comes to family law, that it's weighted to the women, the ladies. Mm -hmm. So that's a common thing I'm hearing in my realm of daily work. Outside of it, I think there's a few. I think, again, the father issue. I, another one is that identity. That uh, there are many men out there are confused on what their role as a man is today. Okay. I think also that, uh, I think those are the two, the two ones I would say that uh, Denny and the, the whole father, father issue. I think one of the, uh, here's another issue that is a good conversation piece. Are men ready to have to take care of their fathers? No. I, yeah. I, I, I'm yeah. Really no to that. Yeah, because the thing is, most of us are living longer these days, but how are you a guy that you're, you're a guy, even if you're single, working this, that, and then you got to take care of your dad. Are you ready for that? Like, hey, say you have to put your father in a, a home. Are you ready for that? Are you ready to go visit X amount of times a week? Are you ready to stop some other activities and focus on him? That's why I say that relationship with the father piece is so important. Because if you're not investing in your father, how are you going to feel if you're not visiting your father in a home or a place like that? It's not a great feeling. So I think, I think there's certainly that, that father piece is important. I think also uh, economics in regards to employment is another big piece these days with the change in economy. Uh, a lot of gentlemen are having challenges with this provider syndrome that, hey, I can't provide like I used to. Right. And, my, and I, I'm not as much of a man because I'm not as much of a provider as I used to be. But men have to realize provide is not just monetarily. The best way to provide is being there. Right. Yep. And, and that goes back to your relationship with yourself. If, yeah. if, if anger has been the one emotion you've allowed yourself, you're, you're not being there. So if you're only angry and now maybe you're a stay-at-home dad suddenly or you, know, you're, you, you aren't the provider that you're used to and all you're providing is anger, well, that, that's not going to be appreciated by, by anyone. No, not at all. Yeah. So you um, talk about guys questioning their identity and the role of, of, of men today. What do you think the role of men is or is turning into? Or what, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Turning into or should be? Oh, give me a <laughs> Yeah, where, where is it at and what do you think it should be? 
uh, I think right now there's an old song called, uh, well, I think the original song was done by a group called It's Temptations. Many of them are in a ball of confusion. That's good. They're in a ball of confusion and they have no one to go to to talk about it and they don't have relationships good enough to work through it. So a lot of, oh, <laughs> re, re, rewind, rewind. <laughs> uh, about the ball of confusion, Lori? I can't, I'm not a good lip reader. I'm sorry, I'm not great. Before that, like okay. when, like the first response when Andy asked the question. Oh gosh, I'm gonna have a brain cramp. What did I first say? Yeah, the role of men. I, I think it's. A, I think the role of men today. Andy asked me about what it is and what it. And what I think it should be. I think right well, now, it's a, ball, a ball of confusion. I think that uh, there's a lot of men out there that are screaming and nothing's coming out. And is is that hasn't that is that always been the case? Is this something new in the la in these recent decades? No, I I think, and I'm not, and I think there was a shift and I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but when women started coming more and more in the workplace, because uh, that was something that guys weren't used to. Yeah. I think they weren't used to it. They were always used to being the breadwinner number one. And generally uh, I'll put this analogy out there that uh, have either one of you ever been on a motorbike? Certainly. Okay. And have you ever been the passenger on a motorbike? Mm -hmm. So when a motorbike goes into a turn, you're holding on, right? Most of the time, or a lot of time, ladies handle the turns of life better than guys. We're not, a lot of guys are raised that one plus one equals two. If one plus one doesn't equal two, we're a mess. When when we were many gentlemen are linear. We're very linear still in our thinking. We don't expand saying, hey, this could happen, that could happen. We're very linear. I, f I find it it's change is accelerating. The pace of change keeps getting quicker and quicker. And most men don't like change. Women adapt more naturally easier in my experience than than men do well and Lori and and Lori I hear your question I think a lot of again uh I was gonna say in response to your question that maybe many men are protected in and maybe not just in the family but just protected society wise because and what I mean by protection is an image of protection and what I mean by that is we're supposed to be this and that and that. Nothing outside of the box. We're protected in the way that we're supposed to be. And that isn't a good thing. We're told that this is the way we ought to be. You got to be this. You got to be that. Don't think about anything else. You're this. You're going to be this. Protection. Protection. And it's not always a good thing. We need to know what it's like to live that be outside the box sometimes we have to realize you have to jump off a cliff and grow your wings on the way down yeah that's i mean that goes back to the problem of change if you're yeah. being a man means this and then in your experiences well actually that that this doesn't feel good anymore or i want to be more than this 
And uh, I, again, that's that's the uh, the opening up, the conversations, the well, the guy looking for help, looking for support. Well, these days you're either changed or you're going to be changed. <laughs> and that that's the way that life is moving yeah. now. You either change or you're going to be changed. Right. So that's where we are now. What what what's the what's your ideal vision of what of what uh, the role of men can be, should be? I would for me. I would want the ideal thing that if a man has a good or a bad thing to share, he has another man that he can share it with. So the I'm trying to think of so, so men's groups so just just. Just open up the, the, the level of friendship that women seem to have more of to, for men to have that, to have that trusted best friend yeah, that you can no, say anything. And not even, I, and I think, yeah, you want to have that person that you can trust saying, you know what? I screwed up. You know, like recently I went through a challenge and I went somewhere and I was supposed to go to a meeting and before that meeting, there was a guy sitting there who I know, and we talked for an hour and a half. That's all I needed. That's all I needed. Like I said, I said to him after, I said, you don't know how great it was just to speak with you today. I needed it so much just to have a conversation. And the funny thing is, a lot of it wasn't about me. It was about him. But it just like, and actually was talking about, uh, he's right now in a for-profit area, and he's thinking about going to a nonprofit. And I said, well, hey, I, I can tell you that's what I've done. And I gave him my experiences. And we just had a really good conversation. And then we came up with an idea to help our men's group <laughs> on top of that. Yeah. So I, I just I thought it was just really nice to have that. And uh, one of the things I'm going to be starting, if I have time, <laughs> if I, no, I'll make the time, is uh, I'm going to start some conference calls with groups of men because after we see men once they leave life happens like when i deal with my clients once they leave the door life happens right they you don't know what's going to go and happen to them right so we have to create not only a safe place physically but a safe place mentally and emotionally you always hear that term creating a safe space, but we just have to make sure that it's not just a physical safe space. Yeah. It has to be an emotional safe place. Like the things that some of my clients share with me, it's not always face to face. It's over a phone. So we always have to feel that they're comfortable coming to with either the good, the bad and the ugly. And we have to be accountable to each other. We have to be like uh, this new client I'm dealing with today. He was there with his, his caseworker. I said right up front, I said, look, I'm not here for you to like me. I'm here to help you. And realize in helping you, it may be painful, but you, I have a, you will respect me at the end of the day that I helped you, not wanted to like you first. Yeah, yeah I find uh, you know, too many people have the level of friends that just tell you what you want to hear. Or if you're about to launch up, oh, that great job. Yeah, whatever you do, yep, great, good job, good job. No, I need you need someone to that can tell you honestly anything. You should. I'm. I'll say this to men, but also people in general. You should have two or three people 
that know things about you that you don't want other people to know. Have that. Believe me, have that. It's important because you're going to need them to watch your back one day. When you're doing something really crazy and most of the world's going to kick you to the curb, you're going to need those two or three people that are your ride or die. You need that ride or die. Guys, not the motorcycle ride or die, the emotional ride or die that are there when you're high, but more importantly, they're there when you're low. Like I was going through some challenges recently and I just said through email to this guy, I said, hey, it's just been a rough week. And the first thing he said back, what can I do to help you? Not what it is, what can I do to help you? You, every man out there needs at least two or three men that if you call them at two o'clock in the morning, you're not going to hear, what are you calling me for? You want to hear, where, 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 where do I need to be? That's what we need. We need that camaraderie, that, that just back and forth and not being a gimme, gimme, gimme person. Also, what can I do to help you? And that's one of the common phrases I use with, with almost, whether it's on a Dr. Vibe show or in everyday life, say, how can I help you? You know, so, if you're at that level, how can I help you? And it doesn't have to be today, two or three months. I had a gentleman who's a fairly well-known African-Canadian lawyer, and I've known him for two or three years. And two weeks ago, he, he sent me um, a link of a feature online that he's front line in. And then next thing he says, hey, do you have a moment to talk? I go, sure. I said, I'm always here to help you. And then he just confided with me on a very serious situation he's going through. And he said, I'm so happy that, you know, you took some time. I said, you, you don't listen to me. I said, I'm here to help you. <laughs> right? So, don't, don't make it complicated. Make it as easy as possible. Transparency leads to easy life. Right. So more people need a Dr. Vibe in their lives. <laughs> I don't know. I'll let Lori approve that. But... <laughs> Well, I, I believe, I tell you, I, I will go there. People do need Dr. Vibe in their lives. One of the, my mentors told me, and I'll never forget this, one of my many mentors said, the more people you help, the more people you know or realize need help. Hmm. Yeah, that's very true. So what, what's the best way for people to, to get in touch with you, to, get, to stay up to date with all things Dr. Vibe? Go to Lori Grant, uh, and she, 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 she's my new PR person. <laughs> No, uh, a number, the easiest way is the website address, uh, the D-R-V-I-B-E-S-H-O-W.com. Uh, if you want to watch anything on YouTube by me, you can go to YouTube and you put in the search engine, the space, D-R period space, V-I-B-E space, S-H-O-W. You can also go to a platform that we are both happily to be part of the Good Men Project. Uh, what else? You can catch, I've got a pile of conversations on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Tuned In Radio, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music Store. Uh, you know, just put in Dr. Dr. Period V-I-B-E. I've, I've been doing this for 10 years, and I'm somehow at the top of those Google search engines. And, uh, yeah, let's, you know, just, if you like me, great. If you like me, also great. At least you, at least you invested some time in me. And uh, I always want to do better. And uh, I just work on getting a little bit better each day. That's what I really just work on. But I'm very passionate about helping men, very much so. It's, uh, it's 
become a core core mission. I'm very thankful that I'm at the journey of my life now that I I know my purpose. And uh, and if you don't know your purpose, men out there, ask two or three of your friends what you're good at. Ask them what you're good at and be ready for anything. <laughs> but ask them what you're good at because sometimes we have the beyond the glimpse of the obvious stare down. We think, and then someone else will just bring something in. What I'm doing now is I've always been passionate about it, but now it's, it's, it's the real deal. Now it's the purpose. Like there's a legacy building piece now that really makes me pleased. And it's, it's just, it's really good. I, I've seen some wonderful stuff. I've seen some stuff that isn't great, but I'm glad I'm seeing it. Cool. Any, any more questions, Lori? <laughs> She's got to have something. She's not going to let me away this scot-free. Um, Andy, is everything that you wanted to cover with me? Did I cover it with you? Well, hold on. Now you got Lori's attention. Okay. No problem. But I just want to make sure that everything you wanted to get covered was covered. I don't, I don't want to have you hang up and say, oh, I wish I would have asked him this. But you can always do – I can always come back. I always make the time. So um, I'm, I just have that, I have one, I'm curious about a couple of things. Uh-oh, here it comes. Um, what, one was you talked about, um, you know, that women handle the curves better and in life. And, but you didn't really, like I did say, do you think it's because men never had to handle the curves? So what I'm asking is, you know, for a long time, and it reminds me of a book, the book Hillary Clinton wrote years ago. Um, when she wanted to become a law partner, her partners said, you can't be a partner. You don't have a wife at home. Mm. And that comment really does, it's kind of profound, right? Because what happened is the men, you know, and, and it's not all men, so I don't want to generalize. But yes. Men, they, they literally, their job was go to work, earn money, come home. And anything else that sort of happened, the wife took care of. Perfect example. So, so they didn't they didn't have any curveballs because they were protected. I, and, I you know what I agree with you. And uh, you use that term. So my question is, I believe that men are more than capable of handling all the curves. Okay? I absolutely believe that with every drop of my being. Yep. It's not fun to handle all the curves. No. Okay. So no. women have always done it. Yeah. Men will like Andy was so gallantly said, women are better at it. And it reminds me of like when Andy and I were first married, if anything went wrong and we had to call someone to get it resolved, he'd be like, You do that, you do it so much better than I do. And I was like, No, what the hell? And so what it comes down to is you deal with the unpleasant stuff, right? Like we, I, you deal with all the unpleasant stuff and you never had to do that except in the workplace. But I believe you can do it. Oh yeah. It's just not fun to do. <laughs> and so if you can find somebody else to do it, well, why the hell wouldn't you? Because quite honestly, if I could find somebody else who would make all those icky calls when something breaks down and <laughs> you have to go fight for it or somebody tries, right? Like all those little things that, you know, the, the wives, and I'm doing that in quotes, took care of. Men are more than capable of doing it, but I don't think it's because they can't. It's because they don't want to. I, I think, and it's a great, 
analogy that you've put up there. I think there's a number of factors there. I think one of the first things that comes out, some of us are lazy, <laughs> right? Other, other times, and I'm, I'm going to use my dad as an example. He told me a long while back that he wouldn't be where he is today without my mom. He said, basically, like you said, and I'll give him an example, he just worked and came home. That's it. I'll even, give another, I'll even add on top of that. When he graduated from Howard University, he came up here to Toronto. The first job he had, he was sweeping floors in a supermarket. My mother said, no man that I'm going to get married to is going to be sweeping floors in a supermarket. And she made him go to teacher's college. She financed it. So that's a perfect example of what you're saying. And I think in some ways it's still the case. I think it's interesting if you take the world of entrepreneurship, the large majority of new entrepreneurs are women, not guys. Guys don't want to take the risk. Why? I don't know. But I think part of it is laziness. I think part of it is I, I think it'd be an interesting question. It'd be an interesting survey to do to see what under what environment these men were raised under. I don't know. I don't know if society, maybe societal issues are that way too, but it's a very dynamic conversation piece. Another one Andy can give to me is that I'll have a conversation on it about. <laughs> but I think that I think part of it now is men are confused because some would say, well, I don't want to be aggressive because I would say, oh, I'm being chauvinistic or sexist. Like, but there's also a growing number of women say, I don't need your help. I can do it by myself. I don't need your help. So I think there's a number of dynamics in response to your statement and question that come into play. And I think that <sighs> we, we, I think men need to have their conversation with themselves. If they have a significant other, they need to get to that point saying, you know what? I've dropped the ball. I need to do better. I think that's, I think another message is that I'm seeing with a lot of men I'm saying these days is two words, do better. You know better, do better. And even if you fail, at least you're trying to do better. Right? And I always say to them, failure is a moment. It's not a person. I don't think that you were put on this earth to fail. And they say, I agree with you. And say, go try. Go try. Hey, I mess up a lot. Before I came on this conversation, I, there was a deadline that I couldn't find. And I totally messed up on it for my, for my daytime thing. So I'm going to try. And, and save face. Oh, another thing that's actually key too that we've talked about is relationships are, for men, a lot of guys don't realize the foundation of everything, in my opinion, is relationships. Everything. Everything. I don't think a lot of gentlemen realize the importance of relationships. They think, a lot of them, a number of men think a relationship means, oh, let's go out and have some fun. That ain't a real relationship. I'm talking about those relationships Again, 
those two or three people that know you're good, you're bad, and you're ugly and are with you ride or die. So that's a little bit on top of the, the conversation piece. She asked me, but it just came. I really want to emphasize the importance of relationships. Really, really and truly. Relationships are just so important. And a lot of ladies have that down pad where and and we a lot of us men should be looking at that as an example. Now, not to say every lady's relationship is perfect, but I think on the whole, their relationships, especially when it comes to sharing intimacy, and not just sensual stuff, but just I had a bad day at work, I made a mistake, this, that, and the other thing. We don't do that. We don't do that. It's like, oh, wow, there's a crack in the shell. Well, you got to crack an egg to, and to open it up, right? You got sometimes you just, you know, motion causes friction. <laughs> so we got to realize that, you know, because if you stand still, you're going to get past. You can be trampled by change or you can make the change in your life. Yeah. You know, the, I, as I said to a gentleman the other day, you're either going to be on the table or at the table. And I don't want to be at, on the table. I want to be at the table. Lori, anything else? I know that you probably got about three more after what I just shared with you. Nope, I'm good. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Thank you, for Lori, for joining us and taking active part this evening. Thank you, Lori. Um, Thank you, Dr. Vibe. And uh, for all the, we'll have the links to all things Dr. Vibe wherever you're listening to the show. If you visit realmenfeel.org, check out the blog. We'll have uh, all the links support and them, details. Support them. They're doing great work. Support what Andy is doing, not only and his, uh, your co host, not only what they're doing, but also support what Andy's doing on the Good Men Project. He's doing very valuable and important and meaningful and legacy work on that platform. Please support what they're doing because they're doing it for the right reason and more importantly with the right heart. Thank you very much. Huh. And with that, yeah, this is, uh, I think we kept your streak of epic conversations going. Uh, well, hey, no, I, you know, when we work together, we win together. And like <laughs> I always say, everyone, you're blessed and highly favored. You're a magnet for miracles and you're a solution for someone's problem. And the last thing I will say is when you get up in the morning, if you're a guy, say I'm the, I'm the man for the job. And if you're a lady, say I'm the lady for the job. Beautiful. Very, awesome. very important. Self, self-talk, when people, people have to realize when you say something, the first person that hears it is you. Yeah. If, if, yeah. If, if, if you don't think you're good enough, then you won't be. So you've got to own it. Why am I going to believe in someone that don't even believe in themselves? Right on. Yep. Make that internal resume. <laughs> cool. So thanks again, Dr. Vibe. Thanks again, Lori. Thanks for everyone listening to us. And uh, until next time. Be good to yourself. Be well and keep the faith, everybody. Thank you for listening to Real Men Feel. Until next week, visit realmenfeel.org or the Real Men Feel Facebook group and share what you thought of this episode. Please give this podcast a review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you are discovering Real Men Feel. Reach out to us at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Show us some love by visiting realmenfeel.org slash swag or digitaltipjar.com slash realmenfeel. Learn more about Andy Grant at theandygrant.com and Apio Hunter at apiohunter.com. <laughs>